0: walk in the light so the darkness cannot claim you those who walk in darkness can't see put your trust in the light while the days are getting shorter then you'll become children of the light
1: Well, hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Principal Thing podcast. I'm John. And I'm Brandon. And we are back after an extended absence. It's uh, one of those deals where we came back and we were super excited and then we dropped off the map again. So, Brandon, what have we been doing? Honestly, we've been trying to get back in the swing of
0: church and ministry. Uh, We had taken, obviously, as many of you probably have as well, an extended like seven or eighth month break from stuff. And so we've been trying to figure out how to manage all of that and come together as a team and a staff and a church and and kind of redevelop all of that.
1: And in the midst of all of that coming together and figuring things out and doing different things and and figuring out, you know, who are we as a staff and who are we as a church and all of these things. Of course, we got our new pastor, Pastor Mark. We are super excited to be working with him. Yep. But Brandon came to me and he said, look, I have this idea for the principal thing that might be better than what we're doing right now. And when he floated it past me, I went, that's brilliant, and that's exactly what we need to do. So, Brandon, share with us, what is your idea for this podcast? Where are we going?
0: So, technically, it's not... I mean, I guess it's my idea. I don't know. It may not be, but... This is 100% your idea. So, how this idea came about is I'm pretty nerdy, Um, and I listen to a tech podcast that has a sister podcast that like breaks down what happens in the mother podcast, if if that's even a thing. Yeah, sure. Mother podcast. Mother po- mother and sister podcast. I don't know. Anyway, this who cares? Is, this is
1: turning very sister wives
0: very quickly, <laughs> so we're going to move forward. Okay, anyway, so I kind of had this idea, since we are now posting all of Pastor Mark's sermons on um, Anchor as well, so like Spotify, Apple Podcast, whatever... Um, we now have like that mother podcast scenario where I used it again, sorry. Broadway Church has its own like sermon podcast, right? which is great. But then we were kind of confused as to where that left us. And so I thought, what if we just um, went deeper into the text than where we went Sunday? And and really not just deeper, um, because I think Mark wants to do some of that as well, but more like practical. Like, what does this look like practically for me and my life and my walk with Jesus um,
1: after hearing pastor break open the word on Sunday? Right. And I'm really excited about this because our whole idea behind the principal thing has been that the principal thing is the word of God. And we've talked about a lot of different things and we've tried to tie it back to the word of God. But let's be honest with ourselves, that has resulted in some mixed success. But this is a way for us to go straight back to Scripture and then apply it to what we're walking through on a daily basis and hopefully help you as the listeners to apply what Mark has taught us uh, through what, what we're doing and how we are applying these things. Absolutely. So this week's sermon was... a a large portion of the text, Mark chapter 6 through Mark chapter 8, Pastor Mark went into the gospel and just went, we're going to pull this out and we're going to determine who Jesus really is. And we're going to see if we understand what that means for our lives. And so he started with uh, the disciples and why he thinks that they were not understanding who Jesus was. And then he took it even further and said, now, how do we understand who Jesus is? So, Brandon, do you want to start us off with sort of um, how how that kind of hit you and where you're where you're going with that?
0: For me, and when I was you know sitting in the service, and I know John, you were upstairs with the kids in the sermon, but like <clears throat> when I was sitting there, really trying to think through what he was talking about, and even during planning last week, we talked about the disciples not understanding, even though they were literally in the presence of the son of God who is performing all of these miracles and doing all of these incredible things. Like the question was asked, how in the world were these disciples still um, without understanding? I mean, it was like Mark said in a sermon, it was almost like, Um, these either have to be the dumbest people in the world, or there has to be something deeper going on.
1: I really like that he stopped there and said, they're not the dumbest people in the world. Exactly. There's clearly something else going on. Yeah. And and that's that's amazing because I think a
0: lot of people read over this text and Mark and even the sister gospels. Um, the sister accounts of, there we go, the sister thing again, You are Sorry.
1: really into yeah. I gotta those sort of familial... Break
0: uh, away. okay and anyway. moving forward. So, uh, moving forward, exactly. Um, and some of the other gospel accounts of this uh, as well, we just kind of see the disciples and we hear pastors preach on this, like, you know, they were in the presence of greatness, we can do better or something like that. We can be better disciples of Jesus than these disciples. But that's, that's not... That's not what it was about at all. And I love um, Mark kind of started us out with two of, I guess, some of the most well-known miracles in the Bible, I would say. And that's where Jesus fed the 5,000 and also when he walks on the water coming out to the boat where the disciples were freaking out because of the storm. And we just see in both of these where Jesus he sees a need with the 5,000, there were people that were there with him all day and they were learning and they were, they were sitting in his presence and they were hungry because it's, it's all day. right? And the disciples are like, should we send these people away? And Jesus is like, no, you give them something to eat. You know, I can see where people go astray here and think like, that is so disappointing. I'm so disappointed in the disciples because they, they're in the presence of greatness They've seen him heal and cast out demons like they he just cast out a demon, I'm pretty sure. And like yeah. um, any he, he heals Jairus's daughter and the woman with the, the blood issue. And I mean, they're witnessing all of this, but yet they're still just like this. This can't happen. This is impossible. And then what happens? Jesus performs this miracle and he meets their needs so much so that the people were satisfied fully. So like they had eaten their fill and they had leftovers and the disciples are just like, what just happened? (laughs) Yeah. They're very surprised. Um, But then the same thing happens when they're out on the boat. Jesus is like, why don't you guys go over across the lake and I'll meet you on the other side. And Jesus is like, I just want to walk on the water. You know, I just, I'm going to walk over uh, because I can because Messiah. Absolutely. And the the disciples are struggling because of the wind and. And they're fishermen. So they should know, like, they're, you know, they're in trouble if, if they're struggling, fishermen are struggling on the sea. And so Jesus just walking along and he's like out of the corner of his eye, he sees them struggling and he's like, ah, should probably help them. And so he walks over there and the disciples, they're um, like, they're shocked. They think it's a ghost. Right? Like it's, it's impossible status again. Um, But anyway, Jesus gets in the boat, calms the the wind and everything. And they're just like, what is happening? And this verse that Mark uses um, in his gospel, it says, chapter six, verse 51, when Jesus got into the boat and the wind ceased and they were utterly astounded. So they were shocked for they did not understand about the loaves. So referring back to the previous uh,
1: miraculous event, but their hearts were hardened they had hard hearts. Yeah, I like that. Pastor Mark identified five different scriptures within this uh, w- within this group. This this these three chapters. He identified five different scriptures where the disciples had trouble knowing who Jesus was or understanding what Jesus was doing. Growing up. In a small Baptist church, and then attending several small Baptist churches as uh, a young adult in in college, and, and starting a family, I always heard, you know, the disciples they they only had the the Old Testament to deal with, and so they weren't they 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 just they didn't have all the information. They had Jesus right there with them, but in the moment, you know, in in, in the moment, you just don't always. Hindsight is twenty twenty. Sure, right. And, and so the whole idea is we're smarter than the disciples because we have the entire story. Yeah. They only had part of the story. And so that's, and I love that what Mark did is Mark, Mark, Built on that, he didn't say they're struggling because they only have part of the story. He said they're struggling because they're only using part of the story. What he said, what, what, what Pastor Mark pointed out to us is Jesus's identity and mission are both revealed in the Old Testament. Yeah. In the law and in the prophets. But the disciples, because of the traditions of their elders, because of the way that they had been taught, were only focusing on one half of what the old testament teaches about Jesus. They're focusing on the half that gets them out of trouble and puts them back on top politically. And and so what what Pastor Mark points out here is is their hearts are hardened because they're focused on the wrong thing. They're looking for the wrong Jesus. Yeah. And I like that Pastor Mark. So so then he asks so what is our view of Jesus? So who who are we looking for? That was actually uh, that that was something that as I was as I was listening as I was taking notes, I had to ask myself like, what is my view of Jesus? Because hindsight may be twenty twenty, and we may have the whole story, but as Pastor Mark illustrated, we still have some really faulty ideas of who Jesus is and and how he interacts with us.
0: Absolutely. And it's so hard. I keep going like back to this in my mind when I'm when I'm thinking through this and praying through this exact same thing. Like, you know, when you see Jesus ask the disciples later and I believe chapter eight, when he says, who do you say that I am? And Peter answered, you are the Christ Um, today that just has so many definitions. And honestly, living in the information age we're at a place where we can see everyone's image or picture of Jesus on social media. So like Facebook, mm-hmm. Twitter, Instagram. I mean, you can see like blog posts or read books or articles from the Gospel Coalition or Christianity Today or wherever you uh, you read these things. And in all of these things, you see pictures of of who people think Jesus is. Yes. And they're not always accurate. In fact, most of them are
1: probably inaccurate to a degree. Well, it, it, it's funny that you should say that because all of us come to Jesus with our own baggage, right? So all of us come, like we come as, as Baptists, we come with this sort of uh, fundamental evangelical baggage and And so we have this idea that Jesus is here to free us from legalism, But once he's done that, we've got to follow the rules.
0: Well, it's like we're enslaving ourselves to our own version of legalism. And so we're like, ex- yes, we're, yes, we're shattering the chains of one brand of legalism to accept another chain of legalism right,
1: right. we We take off the first set of handcuffs to put on a second set of handcuffs that are even. Uh, that that bind us even more tightly, and I like that. What one of the things that Pastor Mark I, he didn't ask this explicitly. He asked it implicitly through what he was speaking about, and I wrote it down in my notes. What is my tradition? Because he said there there were three things that Jesus challenged in uh, just in chapter seven. Here he challenged the the traditions' equality with Scripture, because throughout. Uh, Those 400 silent years between Malachi and Matthew, the tradition of the Israelites had sort of taken over the place of scripture. The Talmud was written and there were a lot of things that people did and that, that, that were expected of them. In terms of well, religion,
0: the sex of the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the right. zealots, like all of these different people, who they, were they
1: had split and splintered. Up. Yeah. Yeah. And then he challenged the false understanding of the human heart, how there were people even in scripture here who thought that, well, everyone's inherently good. That was one that I just when I look at that, I see that everywhere now. Everyone around us in the United States seems to believe that you're inherently good. You are born like we're a good born person. Good. But which, yet
0: we make mistakes. Which or is something.
1: A, well, and some people say not even that you're born good and you make you make mistakes. It's just you're born good and you live differently. It's not a mistake for you to live that way. You're just different. Oh yeah, I mean I'm yeah, I'm not talking about like I guess the oh, you're you're just saying inside of the inside of the church, like I'm looking. I
0: was looking at inside the church. Yeah, like I can see people saying, like, no, I think we are actually born good, but we make mistakes that cause us to become sinners. Right, right. Which is unfortunately completely opposite. Inherently, which means inherited from a geneal genealogical line. That's a big word. That is. And uh, it came from Adam. I mean, like yeah. from Adam and Eve, and that first sin.
1: We are inherently evil, right? And you see that in Job. You see that in Psalms. You see that in Jeremiah. We we cannot uh, be good. We're because we're we're incapable of it. And then the third thing, Jesus challenged the belief that he only came. Uh, for Israel now that's not something that we really struggle with but man that was something that they struggled with a lot and still struggle with today and they do still struggle with it today and and I say you know as I say we don't struggle with it we do though don't we we have this idea that Jesus has only come uh, for America or he's only come for the Baptists, the American church, only come (laughs) for the American church. Right. The real church. Like we have this idea that Jesus has come for us and then he's going to use us because we are his true children. He's going to use us to reach everybody else. Yeah. Like we have this idea and Jesus challenges it here in Mark chapter seven, verses 24 through 37. And, and so I, I wrote down, Jesus challenges these three things. And I wrote down, well, what is my tradition? What is the tradition that I have that Jesus is challenging that I'm holding on to? because I think that what the text brings out, I think that what Mark showed us is that in these three chapters, Jesus showed who He is and he showed what he came to do. Those were our two points, right? Who he is and what he came to do. Yeah, His His person and his purpose. and and all of that comes from that, thesis statement in Mark chapter 10 and verse 45, the son of man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So what then, you know, what, what do I think, who do I think Jesus is and what is my tradition that he's trying to shatter? Like, I think that's something that every single one of us has to answer those two questions yeah. from this text.
0: Well, I mean, we have to ask ourselves as if Jesus were asking us, who do you say I am? Right. Every yes. single day because unfortunately, you know, being inherently sinful, you know, even day to day our version of Jesus can change. Like we and and honestly, I think back to um was it James that said work out your salvation with fear and trembling? Uh yes. We'll say that so. <laughs> Research. It's almost the, as though we don't have Bibles right here in front do of, of us. <laughs> us. <laughs> anyway. Keep talking. I'll find it. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Oh, no, that was Paul. Uh, Paul. He said it in Philippians. Oh, okay, there we go. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I was like, James? No. James said faith without work is dead. Hey, there you go. But no, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. It's almost like that is what I, that's when I see the context of that verse is like day to day. Who is my image uh, of Jesus, or who do I say that Jesus is, and and not just like in my life or in my perspective, but who do I
1: agree that Jesus said He is? Right, because Jesus' identity is not up for debate. It's not relative, right? He He is the mm-hmm. Son of God. He's the Messiah. Jesus the Christ is always unequivocally absolute,
0: absolute truth. Yes. And we, unfortunately, work in
1: relativity. That's that's how our minds work. <laughs> we do. We do. We shade everything. And we we say a lot that we're, oh, I'm a very black and white person. But the truth is, we're very black there's and white yeah. when it comes to other people. But when it comes to ourselves, there's all sorts of different gradations. There's
0: something out there that one of us is like, ah. yeah, that's... A
1: gray area. Yeah. You
0: know? Uh huh. All of us have that I one. We could do thing. this a little bit differently and right. it, I think it fits into my view
1: of Christianity or whatever. Yeah, absolutely. All of us have got that. And and the reason we have that is because the heart is deceitful and desperately, <laughs> desperately wicked. wicked. <laughs> Who can know it? <laughs> right. Not us, that's for sure. But Jesus can because he's the Christ. And his absolute truth. And he came to give his life as a ransom for many. Yeah. And so, you know, so, so those are the questions I think that out of this sermon, I'm coming away with, like, what is my view of Jesus? And like you said, what is my view of Jesus today? And not even like, what is my view, but who do I agree that he is? I really (laughs) like that phraseology. Who do I agree that Jesus said he is? Right. Like today, you know, depending on, and and even you say it's a day to day thing, man, it, it might even be like just... Uh, A a moment by moment thing. Like right now in the midst of recording this, I agree. Jesus is 100% the Christ, the Messiah. But later on when my, when my children are challenging me and I want to lose my temper, maybe Jesus just turns his head a little bit. And he's just a really nice guy who taught me to be nice to my kids. And he won't see when I lose my cool now that's obviously not who jesus is and that's not who we're saying he is but that is something that we all kind of have yeah. to work through practically we have to think that through absolutely day to day and and then what is what is my tradition so like I, I and that's something that everybody has to ask for him or herself like i can't say what yours is or or what the church's is i can only say like what is mine and
0: when we're talking about tradition, we're talking about like, you know, for me, I've grown up in church my entire life. And so for me, it's it's sometimes it's it's harder for those who have been in the church their entire life to have their own understanding of who Jesus is because of the content that has been poured into us over the years, which is all good. I mean, that's the truth is what sets us free and leads us into that relationship with Christ and a fruitful one. But sometimes it can also be hindering if we are, you know, stuck on that tradition or that view
1: of what we've been taught well, by I, sinful people. Is <laughs> your is your tradition of Jesus, flannel board Jesus wearing a purple sash with long hippie hair, or is your tradition of Jesus... Uh, a man who would not turn heads. Is, a that man, your,
0: is that your tradition?
1: Well, that's a tradition. Oh, okay. Uh, that's that's not for clarification's sake, that's not what is being taught upstairs okay. to children. <laughs> like, what, is, uh, what tradition is that? N- well, but no, that's <laughs> no, I, I got you. A, I, I mean it's a it's a it's a Baptist tradition <laughs> for sure. <laughs> flannel graph Jesus? Come on, man. No, you didn't do flannel graphs? I don't think I was alive then. I feel so sad for you right now. Yeah. I don't know what you're talking about, but that's okay. I mean, I'm sure
0: that there, I was in the WWJD Jesus. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. That was a, that was a big movement. Like what would he do? I don't know. But like, is it about what we do or who we are in Christ or is it, you know, is, is that what Jesus called us to do is say, what would he do? In all circumstances. Yeah,
1: he probably did. I, I would say, yeah, that's probably actually pretty close. Yeah, but <laughs> that's true.
0: Anyway, but we're just saying there are so many I teachings mean, yeah. and and we just have to be careful there are a to lot. make sure that what we've been taught is scripture right. and not just something that somebody said that was really trendy and cool
1: at in a season or age. Right, that stuck with us. There's nothing wrong necessarily with fads until a fad becomes something that we're holding on to, and it usurps, and it usurps the position and the authority of Jesus yeah. because, and, and His word. right, absolutely. Because what I what I wrote down at the at the end of Pastor Mark's sermon, he said, "Jesus did not come to enrich your life; he came to rule." your life. Now I'm paraphrasing. No, I, yeah, I love but, that. No, he said that he, he didn't come, you know, the John chapter 10, he says, I've come to give life and life more abundant and life more abundant. Doesn't mean faster cars and more money and what? bigger houses and, and all of that stuff. No, that just means that we're going to live a richer, fuller life in Jesus because we're going to, if we are truly following him, we're going to be obedient to him and he's going to reward us for that But the the key phrase there is not reward us and it's not richer life. It's being obedient. Well, and it is richer
0: life because Jesus, when we give our lives to him and he becomes Lord of our life, he frees us from all that stuff that we think we need. Like he liberates us from the desire for faster cars, more money, houses, whatever, because we don't store our treasures on earth anymore. We're storing our treasures in heaven, which we know will Mm -hmm. be. Forever. Here, it's just temporary. Mm-hmm. So Jesus is trying to wake us up to that fact that this is all temporary and what we store up here will eventually just be destroyed. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, that's definitely the person of Jesus Christ. So when we come back, we're going to talk about his purpose. Why did he come? What did he really come to do? See you in a minute. Welcome back to the Principal Thing podcast. We are so excited that you're tuning in with us, but uh, we had just talked about the person of Jesus Christ. And, you know, we were asking ourselves a question, who do you say I am? And we even said, like, who do we agree that Jesus said he is? And uh, some really good thoughts on on that, you know, not leaning into tradition and culture, but really looking to the scriptures to um, to not form our own opinion or tradition or vision of Jesus, but actually identify ourselves with Jesus and try to understand who he is. Yeah, yeah. Um, so now we're actually going to talk about his purpose, which was Mark's um, second point in the sermon, uh, which I thought was awesome. Uh, there was some really cool, um, uh, I guess, distinctions he made about why Jesus came uh, the first time and kind of the future hope that we have
1: to look forward to. So, John, would you mind, like, just kind of. So Mark broke it down into, and, and we briefly mentioned this in our last segment, Mark broke it down into the two separate uh, parts of the Old Testament, the law and the prophets. Yeah. And Mark talked about the day of the Lord when Jesus comes back and he sets up his millennial reign and everything is under his feet and he is ruling the world with uh, justice and and peace and and people are uh, content people are more or less um they they they're excited and they're happy now i don't know if that's how this is going to go because i haven't actually lived it but but jesus is going to be in charge and I, and we all know that that is clearly taught in scripture that's clearly taught in uh, the, the major and minor prophets. Uh, and so this is what the Pharisees were looking toward. This is what the zealots were looking toward. This is what even the disciples were looking toward. They were looking toward the time when Jesus would be a political Messiah, because they were looking for the day of the Lord, which uh, we now associate kind of uh, from Revelation with the time when Jesus returns and he makes everything better. Yeah, he
0: sets up that state of uh, welfare, and, and the disciples, um, the disciples were thinking that he was coming to like usurp the rule of the Roman uh, government and to overthrow all of those physical political powers. Um, at B and set up his kingdom
1: right then and there, Johnny on the spot. And honestly, honestly, from an Israelite's perspective, from a Jewish perspective, that makes a lot of sense to me that 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 would be what they were looking for. Because you've got uh, the uh, exile, the Babylonian exile that was supposed to last for 70 years. And it did. And Underneath the Babylonians, then the Medes and the Persians came, and they sent Israelites back to Israel. Okay, this is all just historical stuff, right? Like when Nehemiah Uh, went back to rebuild the wall. Ezra
0: went back to read the Mm -hmm. the scripture in front of all the all the people together. All
1: of that happened underneath the Persian Empire. Yeah, Um, but then uh, historically, I guess um, the that four hundred year gap we call that uh, the um, the silent period. The silent period. Uh, Some. Uh, th- there is a book of, I, I don't want to say scripture, it's a book of, of traditions in history called the Apocrypha that deals with things like the Maccabees and uh, some of the stuff that yeah. happened in between Israel and the invading Greeks during that time, because Alexander the Great took over everything yeah. and he had four generals and some of them were pretty awful. And it split up the land. Uh, and, you and know. Have, but then yeah. Rome came in. So here you have these people. Okay. Who for the better part of a thousand years have pretty much not been an independent nation. Yeah. They've been ruled by invading nations. Now let's not, let, let's, let's recall that God told them when they took that, that land, if you will do what I say, you will get to stay here. Right. And they didn't. And so they went into exile and they had a lot of issues because they were disobedient. Okay. Uh, But but from a Jewish perspective, for the better part of a thousand years, you have not been independent. And then you've got all of these prophecies that say the Messiah is coming and he's going to deliver you from all of this stuff. Right. It would be very, very easy. I can see how it would be very, very easy to focus on that while still performing the sacrifices, while still doing the things that are required in the law and missing that. Even though there must be the shedding of blood for the atoning of sins, missing that it has to be the Messiah's blood that is shed. Yeah. They were looking for a sacrifice, but they weren't sure.
0: And honestly, they were still, I don't know, they were still just looking for the day of the Lord and thought it was there.
1: What if if he just comes back and we just keep doing the sacrificial system? Everything's great and we're in great shape. Right. I mean... So
0: their, their understanding or their lack of understanding, it really did stem from the fact that they thought Jesus was coming to establish his royal throne right. then. Um, but Jesus said over and over again, as we see in the gospels, and he quotes, oh my goodness, like all sorts of Psalms and Isaiah and um, all these prophecies referring to himself that yeah. he was coming for the first time to offer the sacrifice of all sacrifices. Yeah, the yeah. reason that we don't have to make sacrifices anymore is because Jesus himself
1: fulfilled those prophecies and that requirement by God to redeem us. Right. He came like we talked about, like Pastor Mark shared with us. He came uh, for that Mark ten forty five reason not to serve or not to be served, but to serve and to give his life. And of course, This is something that it was, it was, it was foreign to, yeah, to the Jewish people. Uh, it, It was foreign to the Pharisees. It was foreign to the disciples. Sometimes really, honestly, if we are, if we are true and, and open about what we believe and how we live, that's a foreign concept to us. Yeah. We go, well, I accepted Jesus as my savior and I'm not under the law. And we sort of ignore where Paul said, well, you shouldn't sin so that you get more grace. We just go, well, I've accepted Jesus and I'm right not under the law. I don't have to do these things, you know. Um, but 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 Jesus came, like you said earlier, to set us free. And the way that he sets us free is he dies for us so that we can put our whole self in him and under his rule and he sets us free from the law of sin, like Paul talks about in Romans. The law of sin, it really holds us captive. And Jesus says, I don't want you to live like that. It could be, this could be a really terrible
0: analogy, and I hope it's not. But I almost think back, you know, when Jesus also referred to himself in this way, when Moses built the bronze serpent and he hung it, um, or he, he put it up so that everyone who was bit by the serpents in the camp could look up at that... Um, that golden serpent and live. So like look and live. And Jesus correlated himself as the one being lifted up. The son of man must be lifted up so that all who look upon him will live. Um, It's almost like, you know, Moses didn't put up the bronze serpent
1: so that people could look up and live and still keep getting bit by the serpent. Well, but you mentioned this again in our last segment. You mentioned that we have this problem with genealogical sin, Like we're, we're stuck in our own sin because we've inherited it, which again is a biblical principle. Uh, but, but Jesus comes and, and he, he wants to, to free us from that. But another thing that pastor Mark said, again, this was at the end of his sermon, he said, Jesus is not easy. Right. And he doesn't come to make your life easy. Right. Um, but he, but he, but he does come to make your life better. And I think that Phrase while it is true and accurate, is where we get hung up with what Jesus's mission is, what his purpose is. Well, it's like what his better looks like, and what our better. and looks that's like. and that's what two Mark, different
0: definitions. Mark
1: talked about that at the beginning of his sermon that if we define words differently, we're not communicating with each other, and we do right. We have defined better as materially better. And Jesus has defined better as spiritually better. And the two definitions do not line up.
0: Well, you know, and it's not even, I would say, you know, it's even broader than materially. I mean, if you talk about like, yes, materially, but you're also talking about physically with like health or mentally, uh, emotionally, like we think Jesus, you know, he's going to make us feel better. Like we won't have to go through sorrow or pain here on the earth. We'll be, you know, we'll, be healthy, we won't be sick anymore. Which or... is such
1: I mean, Isaiah says that he was a man of sorrows who was well acquainted well acquainted with grief. So and and Paul tells us yeah. that we will get to suffer the same way Christ did. And, yeah. I just I don't understand sometimes how and and really I guess it is it's two things. It's um it's it's reading without understanding the thesis. as Mark talked about. And then it's cherry picking what you want out of scripture. And take this. (laughs) So like
0: you, you see Jesus healing people in the Bible and he continues to heal right here. Um, he heals the sick in, uh, Gennesaret, uh, right after he walks on the water and all of that. But, um, he's continued to heal these people. He even raises people from the dead. Um, like the widow's son, Lazarus, um, all these people, but, Yet what still happens to them later in their life? Well, they all die. They died again. Right. It's not like Jesus raised the widow's son and was
1: like, guess what? You you died. You did it! Congratulations. Yeah, we you won. We don't actually we can't make a pilgrimage to the the Middle East to meet the son of the widow of Nain, he the man not, who died and came back. He's not here. He's not. He's he's dead again. Lazarus. He was a friend of Jesus
0: and Jesus offered him a moment of crazy grace and mercy that we can't possibly understand. But Lazarus still
1: died in the end. He did. He's he's gone. Jairus' daughter, who we talked about just a couple of weeks ago, 12 years old, dead on her bed. Yes. Dead again. Yep. And sometimes we miss that. We see the
0: exciting parts when the healing is done but they all died in the end because of sin. Sin is still an issue here on the earth. Um, And until we truly embrace who Jesus is and agree with who he said he is. Yeah. And also agree with why he came the first time, which was to redeem, not to set up his kingdom or, you know, on the earth, like his millennial reign that we will see in the future but to redeem us that's why he came the first time and the disciples missed that until
1: obviously he came back well like, from the grave right well the scripture says their hearts were hardened uh, we 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 look at that in fact it says it two times in this passage that we that that we're in this week that their hearts were hardened and so what we have to ask ourselves is are our hearts hardened to what Christ's purpose is? Not Christ's purpose in our lives, not Christ's purpose in our church, but Christ's purpose, period. Yeah. Because once we once we understand what Christ's purpose is, it will change how we view his purpose in our church and in our lives. Like Pastor Mark was saying yesterday, right. or was saying in his sermon, rather, When, when we have this big picture of what Jesus did, that changes how we function as a church and what we do as Christians. I'm going to go scandalous here for a second.
0: Oh boy. So if that's true, which I obviously believe it is churches sometimes, actually not sometimes churches have different like ministry statements, vision statements You know, we have these catchy phrases about who we are and what we're here to do, and they don't all align or agree with one another. That, or the problem with that is, that means that we as a church don't necessarily always align with what Jesus' true purpose was. We don't. So how do we get there? Like, how do we, as a church, instead of coming up with catchy phrases or vision statements or ministry purposes or whatever, how do we recapture what Jesus actually came to do and
1: why he actually established the church in the first place? To answer that question, I'm actually going to talk about a book I just finished uh, it's called Me, Myself, and Bob, and it is the autobiography of Phil Vischer, wherein he talks about the meteoric rise of big idea and its calamitous failure in 2002 and three. Yeah. And sort of how that affected him as a person. And And he goes through it all, and there were a lot of things that happened that uh, contributed to... W- Big ideas failure as a company, but what he came away with was he fell in love with a dream with a vision and he started to pursue that rather than pursuing God. Now, he has a new company now, it's called Jellyfish Productions, yeah. Um, and and he he still is working in uh, children's media ministries, and and he's doing some amazing things, some Mm -hmm. great stuff. But what he said is that he doesn't have a dream anymore because people will ask him, where do you want to be five years down the line, 10 years down the line, 20 years down the line? And he says, that's none of my business. That the future that's in God's hands. What I want to do is use the time that God has given me right now I want to make the most of this time because the days are evil. So what so all of this kind of background with Phil has given me this different perspective. Uh, for those of you who are not in the know, I guess Phil Vischer is the creator of VeggieTales and Big Idea Productions. Sorry about that. That should have gone at the beginning of the explanation. So he, he said the future is God's business. I have to be yeah. obedient right now. And so what, you're, what our problem is in some churches, in a lot of churches maybe even, is that we have fallen in love with a mission statement. We've fallen in love with a value statement. We follow the church itself. We, we've fallen in love with a vision for what the church can be and do. And instead of focusing on Jesus, we're focusing on the good works that we can do. yeah. And I think that what we need to do to answer your question, like, what do we need to do? We need to get back in the word and we need to focus on who Jesus is and what he came for. Yeah. Jesus is the Messiah and he came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. I mean, that that's the theme of, of the gospel of Mark. That should be the theme of our lives. He came not to be served, but to serve. So we as followers of Jesus ought to be here, not to be served, but to serve, not just each other, but those around us. And then to give his life as a ransom for many. Now, obviously, we're not probably going to give our lives as a ransom for many, but we should be So sold out and, and hear me audience, this is a struggle that even we as pastoral staff have, but we should be so sold out that like Paul said, we, we give our lives poured out as a drink offering for others.
0: Well, like the disciples were sold out, like right here, you can see the moment in Acts chapter one, when it clicks, you see the disciples are beginning to understand, and Jesus is alive again. Um, He's about to ascend. And it said uh, in Acts chapter one, verse six, When they had come together, they asked Jesus, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? So they're like, oh, this is it. Okay, you just rose from the dead. It's happening right now. You did the first thing, so now you'll do the second thing. And Jesus is like, it's not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but... You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Witnesses of what? Witnesses of who he is. And what he came for. And what he came to do. Yep. And and that's it. it it's simple gospel, simple purpose, right? simple message. Mm-hmm. That is all we are here to do.
1: And And... We are so, so, and I am so, so prone to complicating that. I don't want to say we, because I can only Do speak you know for me, myself, John? but I am so <laughs> prone to complicating the simplicity of the gospel and yeah. making it more than what, it, or, or or trying to make it harder than it is. Yeah. Um, well, we think, you know, we think, unfortunately, and this is kind of where pride uh,
0: fits into things, but you know, there's a part of us that thinks we can add to or, you know, we can embellish or, you know, yeah, yeah. put something into the gospel to make it uh, cleaner or more polished or more visible. I mean, there are things that we think we can do uh, to kind of make it something better. Right. But it isn't. I mean, the only thing that we can do
1: is just preach the simple truth of Jesus Christ. Right. And that is really all that we're supposed to do. Yeah. That's, that's it's, it's not just that it's the only thing that we can do. It's the only thing that we're called to do. Yeah. We're called to preach the truth of Jesus Christ. Nothing more, nothing less who he is and what he came to do. That's it. Amen. Well, thank you for joining us today on The Principal Thing. If you missed the sermon or if you were a little unsure of exactly what we were talking about, go and find our mother podcast, The Broadway Church Podcast, where we post Pastor Mark's sermons every single week. And what we do on The Principal Thing is we just dive in deep to the truth that Pastor Mark is bringing out of the scriptures. Go listen to that because it's pretty integral to what we talk about. And then come back and join us for a discussion of what we learned from what Pastor Mark was teaching us. Thanks very much for joining us, and we will see you next time.
0: Walk in the light so the darkness cannot claim you. Those who walk in darkness can't see. Put your trust in the light while the days are getting shorter. And you'll become children of the light